Hello, I'm Allison Werner, host of the Orthodontic Products Podcast. Today I have with me Dr. Russell Morrow, Chief Dental Officer at the dental laser company BioLase. He's here to talk about the use of lasers in the orthodontic practice and where the technology is today. Here's our conversation. Dr. Morrow, thank you for joining me. Hey, thank you for having me. So as I said, you are the Chief Dental Officer at BioLase. Can you talk about that role and your career in dentistry? Uh, well, that, the, the Chief Dental Officer is just a small part of what I do. <laughs> Um, uh, so I started out, uh, I guess as a baby dentist, um, with a small DSO and, uh, that DSO had seven offices and we grew to 28. And then, uh, one day the CEO of that company tapped me on the shoulder and said, Hey, I just sold to Heartland Dental. And, uh, I said, what does this mean for me? And he says, just keep drilling. And so that's what I've done for my whole career is I just kept drilling. Um, and, uh, and so I, Actually, currently still am employed with Heartland Dental. Um, we've now got, I think it's like 1,800 offices nationwide. And one of the big uh, stress uh, stress procedures that Heartland tell, teaches us is uh, clear aligner therapy. And so that's where that comes in for me. I'm still a practicing dentist. I, I, I only, I'm down to one day a week clinically. Um, and, and then I started with BioLase about a year ago as their chief dental officer. And and I've been using lasers pretty much the whole the whole time while I've been a dentist, as well as doing orthodontics um, uh, uh, to to supplement my patients and, and be able to fully uh, give my patients everything they need, deserve, and desire. So, what attracts you to the use of lasers? Well, for me, a laser is just a tool or an instrument. Um, it's not a specific procedure, but it's what I can do with all the other things that I do. Um, so if I'm doing a filling and I have a hard time getting isolation, I get the laser out to be able to isolate it, or I could use it in perio, or I can use it in endo, um, or in ortho, which I routinely do a lot too. I had said that I want to talk today about lasers and orthodontics, the products available, how they're used, what orthodontists should know about incorporating them into their clinical workflow. But to get started, can you talk about where dental laser technology is today? That's a great question. So if you use the term lasers, that's a really big term because there's a ton of different lasers out there that do a lot of different things. Some lasers just are there for healing. Others do things like cutting and, and, uh, and others can cut bone and cut tooth. And so you've got a, a wide variety of different things that you can do with lasers. Um, dental lasers at this point in many of our um, practices have gotten to be less expensive so they're starting to show up in most dental practices at least some of the low-level diode or soft tissue lasers um, they almost I, I have a hard time throwing this word around with being standard of care and I, I say that because i also currently serve on the arizona state dental board where we talk about standard of care all the time but we've got so much um research that shows that use of lasers in your practice helps make the dentistry better. Um, it, it helps things like periodontal disease uh, decrease dramatically when you add a diode laser to your hygienist cleanings. Um, and the when you talk about standard of care, it's being able to have access to something that's affordable for most dentists to be able to have in their practice that's going to provide better dentistry. And that's why I say that uh, dentists or den use of dental lasers have gotten to be so available that it's almost to the point where we, if you're not using a laser, you're missing a not great opportunity. 
Okay. So then what types of lasers, I know, I know just from my experience, we often talk about soft tissue or the diode lasers for the orthodontic setting. Is that primarily what the orthodontic community would be working with? I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, when you start getting the all tissue lasers, the ones that remove tooth and bone, um, orthodontists tend to stay in the soft tissue realm. And so the cost benefit for a soft tissue diode is much less than an all tissue. However, the, uh, the hard and soft tissue can impact things like if you have an impacted canine. Instead of sending that to an oral surgeon, you could do it in your own practice, uncover, remove bone, attach a bracket, and then be able to pull that canine down. So that's where that soft tissue, hard tissue combination would come in with orthodontics. But you're not doing that every day. And it's not like in terms of cost benefit, it's great for a GP because we're using it for a ton of other procedures. Whereas an orthodontist, they're worried about finalizing their cases, worried about getting um, getting the occlusion set and all the other stuff, making predictable movements. Where if they're if they had a big expensive all tissue laser, they'd use it very little um, in comparison to they would a diode. So let's get down to basics. What procedures or what are the common uses for lasers in orthodontics? You talked a little bit there about the uninterrupted tooth, but what else is there? So uh, let me tell you how I present my all tish, uh, my um, clear aligner therapy pa- uh, to my patients. Um, whenever I have a patient with a diastema, the first thing I always look for is that frenum, that soft tissue frenum that, that could bind uh, in a way of being able to close that space. So I add a phrenectomy a buccal phrenectomy. Remember, you have a bunch of frenums, but I also look for the lingual phrenectomy too. If you've got teeth that can't close because of the extra tissue. Um, the other thing I add is I add a gingivectomy, uh, which is removing some tissue on uh, on the anterior teeth to be able to make sure the heights, the gingival heights or the zenus, all match up where they should. And so I add two codes. I add gingivectomies one to three on both sides. So in the, in the end, it actually increases my average treatment plan, if I add all three, by about $1,200. And so you're adding $1,200 to your existing treatment plan, and you're not doing work that doesn't need to be done. You're actually doing better work in order for that patient to be happy and get the things done that they want to, that they expect. And if your work looks better, then you take great photos. You can share that with the next person. And that's just a snowball effect that as you show your work, you're going to get more work. So that's how I use it. Okay. Do you think there are applications that orthodontists are missing out on? You talked there about aligner um, in the course of aligner treatment, but are there other applications that you think you think orthodontists just aren't realizing they could be doing? Oh yeah, absolutely. Now there's a lot of research that's recently shown that if you use a, um, a, a, a pain therapy handpiece from a laser or a low level, like, um, uh, a lower wavelength of a laser, you can use that to aid in the tooth movement. So utilizing this on the buccal surface would help uh, excite the, the bone, help regenerate the bone, and help be fully um, uh, make that bone more active. Therefore, the liners are going to fit better, the teeth are going to move better. And so every time in my practice when they come in for aligner swaps, or if I'm having a hard time getting a tooth to move specifically, I'll have them come in a couple of times and use the laser on the buckle of that tooth 
in order to be able to get that tooth to move better. So it doesn't cut. It actually just causes the healing process. And, um, and, and that's one thing I'm sure not a lot of people are using, but there's a lot of research that recently shows the benefit of using a laser in that fashion. For those orthodontists who haven't used uh, lasers in their practice, there might be a hesitation that they don't know how to get started or, you know, they're worried about risks. What would you say to them in terms of how to minimize risk of complications or just, you know, how to get started? You know, it's it's one of those things that there, it, among general dentists, we always kind of laugh that orthodontists forget how to use needles because they, they they don't give a ton of injections anymore. And anytime they see blood, they gets a little anxious. I mean, some place tads and other things in, in the bone. Um, but orthodontists don't like to slow down and, and, and pull out a blade or pull out a laser. Um, they sometimes refer that stuff out. Um, you'll find that these procedures of doing things like a gingivectomy or a phrenectomy, very simple, easy infiltration processes. And the only key thing you have to remember is how to understand biologic width. Biologic width is where the gum ends and where the bone begins. And you have to have a certain amount of distance between them in order to create the ideal um, gum, uh, uh, gum healing. And so if you don't have enough biologic width, it can make the gums red around the edge. And it's a simple math equation. You need three millimeters um, of uh, probing depth from the gingival edge to the bone. And if you have five millimeters, you can actually then five minus three is two. It's simple math at that point. So it does, it's not brain surgery. It's just a matter of having the first couple of cases, taking them on. Um, in fact, a, a shout out to uh, the orthodontist that taught me ortho. His name is uh, Neil Kravitz. Neil's oh, great. Neil's a very good friend of mine. <laughs> I love Neil. Yeah. I, I spent every Tuesday for six hours in his office for 10 months. And, and Neil taught me how to, the importance of taking photos. He taught me the importance of making sure you're finishing your cases appropriately. And, um, and, and so Neil actually was the first orthodontist I saw that used a laser um, to be able to finish his cases. And, and he kind of instilled in that in me as a, as a baby dentist. Uh, back in 2007, 2008, something like that. So, yeah, Neil's a great buddy. Is there anything orthodontists should know between using um, a laser with a pediatric patient versus, or an adolescent patient versus an adult? Not really. I mean, tissues, tissues, tissue. Um, there are certain types of lasers that if you do it and do it at a low level, you could oftentimes do it without any anesthetic as well. And so, if I had a kid, I probably wouldn't risk it. But as an adult, um, you probably can get away with doing it without causing too much discomfort by using a topical anesthetic. So that would be the only difference that you, you may want to think about is uh, whether or not to use anesthetic or whether you don't. How would you say that the, the soft tissue lasers or the diode lasers have evolved? Is there any kind of progression in the technology that you've seen in the last few years? So lasers a really, really old term. It was, it started with um, the guy who first postulated was uh, Albert Einstein. So that tells you how long lasers have been around. Dental lasers have been around for decades and decades and decades. Um, what it is, and, and basically it's just physics. It's how light interacts with, with um, what you're att attempting to deal with. Um, what we're seeing now is the ability for that to be easier. The, the delivery device is much better. The lasers now are 
much sexier than they were when I was a when I was a new dentist. What I had to do had this big long glass tube, and I has to had used had to cut it and made sure it was cut properly. Now it's all done. It's a push button thing. You push it, figure out what you want to do, and there's no guess. It's no guesswork. It just it says phrenectomy. You click on phrenectomy, and and you go. So uh, the delivery device is the only thing that's changed, but the physics is the same. What kind of training or education do you recommend for an orthodontist who's looking to incorporate this? Well, basically, if you're going to buy a diode laser. Um, the company you buy it from should provide the training and in, at BioLase, I think it's six hours of CE. They go and take a Saturday. Um, they oftentimes can do it online as well. And it'll teach you probably more than you want to know as an orthodontist. They'll teach you everything from, you know, uh, lip and tongue ties to uh, to removing gums to removing fibromas and, and so forth. Oh, the other thing that may help, especially with orthodontists, is you have a setting that you can decrease the pain from an aphthous ulcer or a canker sore. And so if you've got a bracket that really sore, you can use that laser and it takes the healing time from about 10 days to about three and takes the pain from, let's say it's a level seven down to like a two. So it's immediately you get relief and healing in just a couple of days rather than a long term. So that would be another really great um, uh, addition to a, a, an orthodontic practice. You've talked a little bit up there about opportunities for kind of like expanding the practice or growing the practice kind of financially, but also in terms of like patient compliance and patient comfort. Is there anything else you would add to that in terms of, you know, how that, how adding lasers can fill out your practice? So I find that there are a lot of people that comment in my practice about how advanced we are versus their other dentists. And if you pull out the 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 the, the laser, they're going to say and notice that you're taking a greater um, a greater effort for their oral health. Um, it's just the same thing when we used to take digital scan digital X-rays. If you were the first one on the block with a digital X-ray, people walk into your office because they didn't want to wait 20 minutes on the back and dip the tank and all the other stuff that used to happen. Now it's the same kind of thing. If I said to a patient today, don't worry, at the end of your orthodontic treatment, I'm going to take a scalpel out and I'm going to cut your gums. Don't worry, you're just going to bleed for about a half hour and it will hurt and it'll be a little swollen, but you'll be fine. Versus I'm going to take a laser out, there'll be no pain, no bleeding, and you'll heal almost immediately. The difference in that is amazing. Now, they do the same thing. In the end, you'll get the same result. The gingivectomy should stay and give you the ideal. But a patient will look at the scalpel and they'll say, nope, not coming back here. And so that would be the difference in, in being able to, the public perception of, of technology, I think is really important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, are there any best practices that you recommend for orthodontists who you know are either working with it now or who are just getting started? So of course, I'm going to go back to Neil Kravitz on this one. I think the the most important thing you can do as an orthodontist or a general dentist dealing with clariner therapy is great photography. You take great photography, you take your befores and your afters, and you show what you've done because that next patient is really important. So great photography before, and then being able to document where you were at, especially uh, insurances sometimes can pick up a portion of these gingivectomy procedures because if you have a lot of tissue and you document it well, you should be able to send a lot of that to uh, to your insurances. So they could pick up up to 80% depending on the insurance and, and again, 
you have to have the documentation and the reasoning to be able to do it. Um, so that would be a huge deal is make sure you document your case as well. That goes back to being on the dental board, but more importantly that you could share the, your successes with your patients and what, what they're getting for the extra value, the extra value that you're getting for the, the extra dollar that they're spending. So my final question, what excites you about the future of lasers in dentistry or specifically orthodontics, if you could speak a little bit to that? I've been doing orthodontics, I said, since about 2007. So nothing new for me because I've been utilizing the same principles. What excites me is the, the greater use of lasers among um, and the adaption of lasers among our dental professionals and how it's, how it's almost becoming routine that you're getting these treatments done and that you have that in your hand. Um, as an orthodontist, if you have to refer it out, patients don't want to have procedures referred out. They don't want to go anywhere else. They've spent time with you. They've spent effort and money with you. And, uh, and, and so that is, uh, they want to stay with you. Plus you were the one that was the quarterback for that case. You want to finish it. You don't want to put that on someone else because you had the vision, you know, where those, those teeth lined up. Cause if you're intruding a tooth, you're going to intrude that tooth. The tissue moves it with it. And you have to understand that you're going to end up having a gingival discrepancy if you're intruding a tooth next to one you didn't. So you may have to remove a little tissue or sometimes even tissue and bone if you invaded that biologic width to be able to get the ideal smile line. Dr. Morrow, thank you so much for your time and your insight. I really appreciate it. I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. As always, thank you for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Orthodontic Products Podcast to keep up with the latest episodes. And be sure to check out orthodontproductsonline.com to keep up with the latest industry news. Until next time, take care.